Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Saturday, February 6th, 2021. Does the thought of an unforgivable sin frighten you? I mean, to hear Jesus say that there is a sin of which you cannot be forgiven, does that make you a little bit unsettled? And do you maybe ever wonder with with fear and trepidation, have I committed the unpardonable, unpardonable sin? Is it impossible now for me to be forgiven? Well, let me ask you some diagnostic questions. One, are you concerned that, you know, that you have committed an unpardonable sin? Does that grieve your heart or Do you believe that Jesus Christ is actually a a spawn of Satan doing wicked and demonic things? Do you want to follow Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? If you have answered yes to any of those questions, guess what? You have not committed the unpardonable sin. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, okay, just kidding, just kidding kidding. We want to dig in more to this, but I want to start by addressing that concern as we look at Matthew chapter 12 verses 22 and 30 to 32 where Jesus talks about the unpardonable sin to conversations I have had with people where they are concerned that they have committed the unpardonable sin. And I think for pretty much all of those, I say, no, you have not. Because even as we look at this, let's get some context of what's going on where Jesus casts out a demon from a man. And the Pharisees then accuse Jesus of casting out these demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. That's how he casts out demons. Well, Jesus responds by explaining how absurd and ridiculous that is, that that, to say that he would do that, that the devil would be divided against himself. And he talks about how serious that is. Uh, Starting in verse 31, he says, therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the son of man will be forgiven. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or in the age to come. And that's where I think when we look at this unpardonable sin, it is something that is willful, a a willful rejection of Jesus Christ. The unpardonable sin is not some thought you accidentally thought once. No, it is a willful rejection of Jesus Christ and even assigning what Jesus has done and blaspheming the Holy Spirit by assigning these works of Jesus to Satan himself. And that's where, even personally, I think this unpardonable sin is something that happened uniquely in response to Jesus and his time on this earth and the ministry that he was doing. And I think as we think about this, it's an unrepentant choice to assign what what God is doing through Jesus and the Holy Spirit and assigning it to Satan, which is obviously a wicked thing. And even one of the reasons I think it's unrepentant is we do see Pharisees turning from their sin and putting their faith in Christ, even in the book of Acts. We know that after Jesus has risen again, some of these people put their faith in Christ. So if you are concerned, even even if you go that far, if you're concerned at all that you have committed the unpardonable sin, I don't think you have. I think if you were committing this unpardonable sin, you wouldn't be concerned about it because you think Jesus is a spawn of Satan. And, And so therefore you would be not concerned at all about what he says. 
And so that's a good question for us to address. And maybe if there's some of you, if you've been concerned about that before, I hope understanding what was going on here and what Jesus was talking about helps you. But if you're listening to this podcast, let's all make the choice today to honor Jesus because we know the work he did was not the result of demons. It was the work and the power of the Holy Spirit through him. Really, we see the the Trinity in action, Father, Son, Holy Spirit throughout the ministry of Jesus. And, And we should worship him as a result of that today. And so let's honor Jesus Christ in our own hearts today as the son of God, as the savior of the world and confess, no, he was not working by the power of demons. And I hope that clears up some confusion for all of us or helps you in your own heart, or as you may have conversations with someone that is concerned that they have committed this unpardonable sin. Now, a couple of the other passages that we're going to look at today from the Old Testament, we're going to need to kind of build some bridges to help us understand because they'll feel very foreign to us. Let's start by going to Psalm 21. And Psalm 20 and Psalm 21 are what are sometimes referred to as royal psalms because they are talking about a king. Let me ask a question. Are any of you a king of an ancient kingdom? Uh, yeah, I didn't didn't think so. So therefore, how do you build this bridge from David talking about what God has done for the king to your own life? And let me read just some of these verses from Psalm 21 as we look at verses 1 through 7 today. It says, O Lord, in your strength, the king rejoices, and in your salvation, how greatly he exults. You have given him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. For you meet him with rich blessings. You set a crown of fine gold upon his head. He asked life of you and you gave it to him. Length of days forever and ever. His glory is great through your salvation. Splendor and majesty you bestow on him. For you make him most blessed forever. You make him glad with the joy of your presence. For the king trusts in the Lord and through the steadfast love of the most high, he shall not be moved. And so even as we think about that and we look at at David talking about what God has done for him, you might not be a king, but has not God done great things for you? And, And so some of these things you might not be able to strictly identify with. God has not set a crown of literal fine gold on your head as the king of Israel. But one thing you notice is all the blessings he does see in his life, he attributes to the hand of God. So there's a bridge you can build. You might not be thanking God for making you the king of Israel, but has God blessed you? Has God granted you any success maybe in what he has called you to do for a living? Well, do you like David attribute that to yourself? Or do you attribute that to God and his goodness and his grace in your life? Uh, Verse six is a great verse. I think we can all try to wrap our own minds and hearts around for you make him most blessed forever. You make him glad with the joy of your presence. Are we looking to God for eternal blessing? We should be able to identify with that. Can we be glad no matter what from the joy of God's presence in our lives? Yes, we absolutely should. And then verse seven, you might not be a king, but maybe you're a husband or maybe you're a mother or maybe you're just trying to find your way in this crazy world that we're living in. Whatever that fits, are you, verse seven, trusting in the Lord? And because of his steadfast love of this most high God, you will not be moved. 
So let's not get scared away by all this talk of kings and thrones and crowns of gold and say, well, that's nice for David. Let's see some of those things in our own life. Hey, the blessings I have, that's from God. Let's give him thanks. I can trust God. I don't need to be shaken or moved. I can find joy in the presence of God. And that's where we can see David as a model for our own lives that we should gladly follow. Next, let's go to Exodus chapters 24 and 25. And again, a different kind of cultural context, but let's just think through a couple things here. One thing we see is uh, these leaders of Israel going up to the mountain, Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel in Exodus 24 verse 9, going up and they saw the God of Israel, it says, there was under his feet as it were a pavement of sapphire stone like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. And we're reminded of what a fearful thing it was to even to behold the glory of God and how the expectation is you're going to die. Well, I think part of it is they don't see all of God in all of his fullness. What it describes is they really see what's under his feet. And it's even that was this amazing, glorious experience. And one thing I want us to understand is we see this God in this thick cloud, a God that, no, you cannot see me and live is the expectation. And I think we should see that and it should make us even more appreciative of the gospel, that this God who even the New Testament describes as dwelling in inapproachable light, he is inviting us to approach him through Jesus Christ. This great God who is so holy, he has opened a way for us to be reconciled to him. So I think reading this chapter in Exodus 24 should make us more thankful for the gospel and we should expect someday we will see the glory of God in heaven when we are reconciled, when we are no longer stained with the burden of sin because we have been finally, completely, totally washed in the blood of the Lamb. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited about that. And then as we get into chapter 25, I think there's a couple other interesting things to note. One, God didn't just drop down the tabernacle out of heaven. He totally could have. He could have said, hey, this is where you're going to worship me. Boom. There it is. There's the tabernacle. There's the Ark of the Covenant. There's all these other things. No, he involved the people in the process. He invited them to, to give to what he was doing. And that's where, again, in a lot of ways, God could do all kinds of things without you and without me. I mean, he could save people in the uttermost parts of the world right now, uh, just with his own initiative and through the power of his spirit. But he is using you and me to spread the gospel. He is using us to contribute to local churches and to do the work of the ministry. He's using us all the time to accomplish his purposes. So that's another thing we see there, even though the culture and and what's going on might be different, a similarity between us and what God is doing. And then it describes some things, the Ark of the Covenant, which was in the, the Holy of Holies, where the glory of God was supposed to be and to kind of dwell, even though God is omnipresent, that the weight of his glory would rest there. But then we also see this table for bread and the golden lampstand. And I think even as we look at that, we can be reminded that Jesus, he is the bread of life. He is our sustenance and also the golden lampstand that Jesus is our light. 
So even these things that we see in the tabernacle, we should be identifying to some extent where, yes, I am trusting in Jesus to provide for me physically and spiritually. And the golden lampstand, I'm trusting in Jesus to provide direction to my life. So hopefully some of those things help build some helpful bridges for us in in these Old Testament passages. Finally, we look at Acts 12, 1 through 11. And here we see persecution again coming to the early church. We see Herod laying hands on some of the apostles and James, the brother of John. So even as you think about the gospels and kind of the inner three disciples, Peter, James, and John, James is killed with the sword by King Herod. And it becomes very clear that Peter is next. But a couple of things I want you to notice at the end of, or at the verse five, it says, so Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. And so I think in this passage, we see the power of prayer, that God used these prayers to set Peter free, but we also see the power of God and God miraculously setting Peter free from prison. So may we all just even leave these 11 verses with a greater faith in the power of prayer and ultimately that greater faith in the power of prayer because we believe in the power of God. So I hope none of us are rejecting the truth of Jesus Christ and attributing it as the work of Satan, but let's seek the Lord today. Let's realize he is calling us to be reconciled to him. Let's trust him. Let's follow him and let's be devoted ourselves to prayer today. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.